0: Hey folks, Mark Devine coming at you from SealFit headquarters with the Unbeatable Mind podcast on the SealFit channel. Welcome back. Hey, before I get rolling here, I want to just remind you to go to our website at sealfit.com and enter your email into our opt-in form if you haven't done so already. That's how we'll keep you informed of all the cool things and special offers and weekly SealFit TV episodes and blogs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So go ahead and do that. Um, while you're listening to this, unless you're driving, in which case, please don't do that. So today, uh, I'm going to continue with our my series on daring to be someone special. If you recall, I started that a few weeks ago, and it's a little bit off track in that I'm not interviewing any guests today. We're just going to have a little bit of a chat. Here it goes. So if you've been living an ordinary run-of-the-mill existence that was ball-and-chained and chained either by submitting to the safe, well-meaning expectations of others, or yielding to weak, limited expectations of yourself, or both. You could sense discord growing within, and you're pursuing an easy major in college or slogging through a cog-in-the-wheel job, living center mass on the path of least resistance. But now you've since looked yourself in the mirror, and you've chosen to disrupt that situation, to break away, And to not only start a new chapter, but to throw out the old book altogether and start a new one. You are now choosing to be uncommon. But what comes next? In Navy SEAL training, I was the honor man of my class, and my certificate read, Mark, you have succeeded not only in doing ordinary things uncommonly well, but have also done extraordinary things extraordinarily well. Now, I submit that this statement is a good definition for what an uncommon life demands. It includes an eight-word mandate on how to rise up and be someone special, doing both ordinary and extraordinary things extraordinarily well. So let's start with the common things, like making your bed in the morning. And I nod to my sea daddy, Admiral Bill McRaven, and his commencement address at the University of Texas for that one. And also those simple conversations with your team. Strive to do simple tasks like these uncommonly well. Then the next step is to actively seek out the extraordinary things. Things that challenge you. Things that you fear and things that might feel like a crucible. These events that spark a powerful sense of self-inquiry and where you find your warrior's way. When you commit to these extraordinary challenges, by preparing for them and executing them, it will pay big dividends. It's a path, though, that's not for the faint of heart. For you must summon the courage to question your stories and do the digging to reveal and tap into the unique source of what it is that's guiding your life. And this is an extraordinary challenge in and of itself. Such work requires that we slow down and find a place of silence. Patient is requisite in order to tune into that whispered frequency of your inner voice. As you do this, you must be prepared with an open courage to admit that the current story, that narrative that you once bought into, lock, stock, and barrel, may no longer be serving you. You now ask, what if I'm completely missing the boat? What if I'm not fulfilling my life purpose? And in this state of silence and patience, this question can lift open a new profound space for self-examination, offering hard, honest answers, leading to self-awareness. Now here's the good news. Once you lock onto this inner wisdom, it will inform you of your grand purpose. A grand purpose that's your birthright. More good news. This purpose won't ever let you go, ever, until you acknowledge and align with it. No, it's going to haunt you. It will haunt you in small and seemingly inconsequential ways at first, like muted taps on the shoulder, gradually building until you'll be incapable of thinking of anything else. In effect, you will be driven toward a new 20x journey where you pursue a more whole version of yourself, a version worthy of fulfilling this new vision that's burning inside of you and you know that you must find a way in your life to align with that vision in a way that's meaningful and practical for you. Your life depends on it, a new life that is worth living for and dying for. Welcome to the way of the warrior. What if you sense this purpose, and you can hear that inner voice, but you're not ready to make the leap into the abyss of the unknown? Or maybe you're still uncertain as to whether it's your true inner vision. What if it's another incomplete or even false story? You've got to hit this challenge head on too by stoking that inner vision daily through visualization. Recently, a fellow named Jake attended the SealFit Special Ops Academy. Jake was an active Marine who'd been on a two-year journey to cross over to become a SEAL. He was fairly certain that his purpose was to serve his country in the capacity of an elite special ops warrior. However, in the academy, when he slowed down and spent time in silence, listening inward and opening himself to an articulation of his purpose, he suddenly broke through into a deeper well of awareness and self-realization. In that moment of awareness, Jake suddenly understood that he was not meant to be a SEAL, serving his country as a special operator. No, rather, he was meant to be a sheepdog for all of humanity. He was expressing a newfound sense of consciousness that put all of humanity above the tribe. Interesting. Now, he did not say he didn't support his American tribe. Rather, as an American, he was blessed with the opportunity and the resources to serve all of humanity. In a manner that was even more meaningful to him this profound insight was flowing from a new place one not tethered to his ego or limited self it was coming from that spiritual place his true self that was witness to his life in essence jake had become a world-centric warrior subject i'll be writing more about in the future what a great example of a transformation and validation of the power of uncovering purpose and igniting passion. Can we here lead the way in cultivating world-centric warriors who serve both their country and all of humanity? I think we must. However, there is a stark reality involved. Though Jake is profoundly moved by his experience and his shift in consciousness, he still doesn't know exactly how this newfound vision will unfold. The pureness of his intention is vivid, but the path remains hidden to him. So now, in addition to his other training and practices, he is stoking his inner vision through daily visits to his mind gym. Patiently, he is watching and nurturing the vision through his visualization and investigating avenues of how he may align with this newfound sense of purpose. Slowly and almost imperceptibly, the path is sharpening into focus for him. What I'm describing is the process of stoking your inner vision. For Jake, in doing so, he is polishing the mirror of his ego mind so that he can walk the path, this new path, with integrity and honor when the time comes for him to take action. He's finding what my friend Mark Gaffney calls his true self. That true self is combining with Jake's perspective-forming ego self to allow what Mark calls his unique self to flourish. Incidentally, I recently did a podcast with Mark Gaffney that you can search for on iTunes, and he's got a great book on this subject called The Unique Self. I highly recommend. So choose to be special. Do the extraordinary things well. Uncover your purpose and ignite your passion and stoke your emergent evolutionary inner vision. And the next stage in this process is to set out upon the path that opens up to you and to live it with honor, taking a stand and daring to be special. Honor. You know, that's a word that's lost much meaning in our society. It's rarely used and poorly understood. Organizations like the National Honor Society use an alternate meaning of the word from the one that I like. They use honor in celebrating an achievement or awarding a level of distinction. The word honor, originating from Latin, is historically rooted in the concept of nobility and living by a code of conduct. You and I know that acting with honor is more than getting good grades or raising the most money. The Navy uses the word honor as one of their three guiding values, honor, courage, and commitment. At an individual level, we do see heroic and honorable actions in the military, and in other domains where the risk is high and the team bond is strong. Consider Navy SEAL Michael Mansoor, who chose to receive an exploding grenade thrown by insurgents to save his teammates. I can't think of a selfless act more honorable than sacrificing your life for those to whom you are committed in a mission. Mahatma Gandhi is another great example of deep-rooted character and honor who was willing to sacrifice himself for his countrymen in, in an act that changed the world when an individual is clear about his stand his personal ethos then acting with honor in a critical moment of choice is second nature because the individual is aligned with what is worth living and worth dying for he or she can instantly sense the right course of action and their actions are decisive and powerful and with the gravity of consequence largely unexpected by others Honor as a way of life in our society is an outlier. Honor is grounded in interconnectedness and abundance, and is uncommon in today's story of separation and scarcity. I do see it arising in some social entrepreneurs, and it continues to be ground zero for many Kokoro-minded warriors. The reason for this largely lies in the administrative nature of our organizational systems, whether government, business, educational, medical, nonprofits, accountability is radically diffused throughout these faceless bureaucracies, and leaders are numbed by fear of loss of face or losing their power or their livelihood. The covert and overt trappings of power, rank, and office accumulated over the years lay in the balance with each decision, and layers of regulatory red tape, competing interests, and mind numbingly slow decision making all contribute to the death of honor in our society. Now, it's going to take Kokoro, a heart-mind-centered leadership, to restore honor to our institutions and to the individuals who are leading them. These leaders must live by a stand and have the courage to carry that stand into their organizations. It requires that the leadership teams maintain a commitment to standing firm so that the individual, team, and institutional behaviors align in mutual support and do no harm to others or the environment. What I'm saying is that these leaders, you, must dare to be special. I'm sure you get this, but the language for honor and role models for it in everyday life are sparse. So how can we step into honor in our own lives? I submit that developing the foundation of character necessary for honor starts with crafting a clearly defined stand A stand from which we will not ever waver. Unless, of course, there's a damn good and honorable reason. This stand becomes our Mariner's navigation system. You and others can count on it to make a difference in the journey through the storms of life. It's the guardrail that keeps your family and team motorcade on the windy, dangerous road. It's the handrail that holds you up and keeps you from falling down, leading you in the direction you need to go in the dark. So the question remains, what do you stand for? And only you can answer this question. However you decide upon and formulate your stand, expect an enormous sense of relief in the knowledge of where you stand and the things that really matter when you do formulate it. It is a great relief for both you and those around you. My friend Navy SEAL Captain Bob Schultz shared his beliefs on the concept of honor and developing a stand at our recent Unbeatable Mind Retreat, a video of which will soon be available at sealfit.com. Selfless plug. He asked us to examine where we stand in regards to these following issues. Hardship. Do you have a personal ethos that leads you to cultivate resiliency in times of suffering? Or do you hunker down to ride out the storms of life? Heart. Does your personal ethos help you connect at a world-centric level? Or are you stuck in a less honorable, quote, my story is better than your story, or my tribe is better than your tribe level of consciousness? Joy. Do you take yourself too seriously in an attempt to be perfect, to be the stoic leader? Or does your ethos allow for seriousness of effort balanced with joy, laughter, and humor? Challenge. Does your stand push you to challenge the status quo, to find your 20x every day, week, month, and year? Do you commit to earning that metaphorical trident of respect every day? Or do you avoid the risk and let others lead the way? And silence. Does your personal ethos allow time for reflection, for inquiry, and for recovery? Or do you charge mindlessly from one task to another, avoiding intimacy even with yourself? These are just a few of the weighty questions that we must investigate and answer to develop our stand. They require us to be honest with ourselves, a prerequisite for acting with honor amongst others. Developing your stand and acting with honor will reveal weaknesses in yourself, in your team, and your organization. You will suffer the inevitable consequences from those who have something to lose from your honor, courage, and commitment. However, this mantra will serve you well. Honor today, no regrets tomorrow. In short order, as you live your stand, you will gain the respect and trust from those who are counting on you to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Now, throughout this podcast, I've been working on this idea of deliberately choosing to be uncommon, daring to be special, to make the breakaway decision to dare to stand out from the crowd. This has great meaning for me. For when I was struggling to find personal meaning and enjoyment in my first career on Wall Street as a CPA, a thought took hold in my mind, which grew into an unshakable realization that I was severely misplaced. I was worlds apart from how society, my peers and families viewed it as a dream job, an incredible opportunity. It was during this time of internal conflict and confusion that I was walking home through the streets of Manhattan. And I found myself transfixed in front of a poster at a Navy recruiter. The poster was titled, Be Someone Special. And I look back over my life since then and can see how that moment and that poster's message first took my mind and then my life into a radical new direction. So far, I've discussed the first three principles that I offered as a path to being someone special in this first podcast, in this series, and, and then this second one. Those three principles are to uncover your purpose and ignite your passion, to stoke your inner vision, and to live with honor and to take a stand. These three principles form the foundation from which your journey can now begin. For without the deep introspection necessary to uncover your purpose, stoke your inner vision, and live with honor, the rest of the journey will lack that vital meaning, that all-powerful why, when times get tough. But now what? What's next? Well, my experience has been that your journey to the new you will accelerate if you can find a mentor to guide you. And following your mentor's lead, you will commit fully, burning your boats to destroy all options of retreat and forge the grit to stay the course, take, taking bold Kokoro-style actions, trusting your gut, softening your heart toward your teammates, and never, ever quitting. And these are the principles that form the remainder of the 10 ways that I offer to be someone special. Let's discuss the mentor. There is a saying that when the student is ready, the mentor will appear. This was certainly true for me. I was, as I mentioned, struggling to find meaning in my newly minted role as a financial services CPA on Wall Street in 1985. That was my first real job and I threw myself into it with verve, digging deep in the hopes of cultivating at least some passion and interest in the work. Dull thud. The desk-bound number crunching was stultifying and I had little in common with the others I worked alongside in what is a noble profession. I was feeling lost, despairing about my future. I was searching for answers as to how I ended up in such a state of pure dread, and what remedy, if any, was at hand. It wasn't long after, I acknowledged that something wasn't right, that I was drawn into the Sato Karate Training Center on 23rd Street in Manhattan. And when I walked in, I came face to face with my first true mentor. Grandmaster Tadashi Nakamura. What a remarkable man, an inspirational and humble warrior Later, He became my martial arts instructor and along with his excellent staff of senior black belts. Unbeknownst to him, he also became my mentor. I sought to emulate his quiet, confident demeanor and how he made decisions. I liked his pleasing personality and the way he handled himself with the athletes and staff and how he was always full of sparkle and humor and a quick smile. Yet when he needed to be firm, he delivered the firm hand calmly and with kindness. Just his very presence was enough to inspire me. I thought that by just being around him, character may rub off. And it was the hour-long Zen meditation sessions, followed by a chat from Mr. Nakamura, that grounded me every week and began to crack me wide open. There, sitting on that meditation bench, I began to hear my inner voice, that voice I had been searching for, the one that would fill me with the courage to change direction, uncover my purpose, and ignite my passion. I was only with Mr. Nakamura for four years, earning my first degree black belt. But in that time, I was transformed into a warrior ready for the rigors of Navy SEAL training. And guess what? Mr. Nakamura never really left me because I nurtured the mental image of him in my inner training space, in my mind gym. And he was with me long after leaving the Big Apple, to this day actually. He became the first member of what is my mentor team in my mind gym. He offers me unseen counsel, unsolicited. So a good mentor will guide you practically toward the skills, knowledge, and experience you need to achieve your goals. A good mentor is one who has long mastered the skills and is enthusiastic to share his or her insights with you, the novice. Even very experienced people will benefit from a mentor and I continue to seek them out to this day. And as with Mr. Nakamura, good mentorship isn't restricted to physical presence. Good mentor will guide you silently well after you leave their physical presence. That's how you know when a mentor is a master, when they become a lifelong companion on your journey. We will pick this up next time. Thanks for listening. Until then, train hard, stay safe, and have fun. Hoo cool. ya, yeah. Coach Divine Up.